Hello and welcome to another installment of Soccer Pints, your one-stop shop for all things American soccer. I'm your host, Will Clark. If you aren't familiar, Soccer Pints is an American soccer podcast where we have pointed discussions about U.S. soccer, Americans abroad, Major League Soccer, and many other exciting topics. Last week, we looked at the moments that mattered and debated a few hot topics that fans and media members continue to overlook. Whether it was Brendan Aronson deserving to start for the national team, Josh Sargent needing to be in the national team, or Jesse Marsh becoming our next manager, we had to put each into the proper context before making a rash opinion on any topic. This week, we will continue to look at the players that are currently in the best form heading into September and discuss why they should be a part of the national team, and in some cases, talk about why they shouldn't be involved in the national team. We made predictions for the September camp recently, and a few of these names weren't mentioned, but maybe they should have been. We will also give listeners an update on what is next for Soccer Pints and wrap up with my final thoughts of the week. I'm also doing something a little different today, and instead of having a brewery feature, I've got something from overseas. So, today, I have poured myself a Peroni, which is a lager from Italy. Not normally my style or my preference in drinking a bottled beer that you can get from a grocery store, but you'll understand why later in today's episode. So, let's jump right into today's main topic. A common theme over the past few weeks is that Americans are performing very well individually at their clubs, and everyone is making a case to be included into the final U.S. Men's National Team camp in September in order to try their luck at obtaining one of the roster spots for the 2022 World Cup. And while we have discussed a lot of names, spoken a lot about players who were informed, and made our own predictions, we can't ignore the talent in our player pool and who is hitting their peak right now. So today, we are going to look at each position group on the team and talk about a few names that should be included in the national team and a few names that w- that shouldn't or won't be included. A reminder that September camp starts in just under three weeks, and the World Cup roster will be announced on November 9th. All of the names mentioned today have a chance to make the roster, but I would say that most of the names today are also very much a toss-up and could go either way. Could any of these names play a major role for the U.S. and Qatar? Potentially. So let's get into it. One of the surprising developments over the past few months is the decline in our goalkeeping options. The U.S. has always been blessed with having stalwarts between the posts with goalkeepers like Tony Miola, Casey Keller, Brad Friedel, and Tim Howard. But in recent years, we looked at Zach Steffen as the future. But now... Our once-solid group is now not in the best form. Matt Turner isn't playing regularly. In fact, he hasn't played once this season. Stefan and Ethan Horvath are both in the English Championship, but Stefan didn't even make the squad this past weekend due to an injury. So, the U.S. goalkeepers are shaky entering this final stretch before the World Cup, which brought up a lot of great points over the past week. Should we look at options in Major League Soccer who are playing regularly and who might be in better form? The answer is simple. We absolutely should consider some other options. It doesn't mean we will, but you can't push the lack of playing time to the side and not at least evaluate other options. But in Major League Soccer, there are really only two options, and that is Sean Johnson and Gabrielle Slonina. Do I think either of them can come into the full team and contribute and be serviceable? Sure. But if you ask me, would I be confident in having either of them in the back of the net for us at the World Cup? Not a chance. But I tell you what, I would make a point in September to bring them in, at least one of them in, to see how they could do in the team and added pressure environment in two friendlies 
knowing that their performance could earn a spot on the World Cup roster, it's worth a shot. I still believe Matt Turner is our number one and will start, but after that, it's shaky. Sean Johnson has been about as consistent in MLS as any other goalkeeper in recent years. He is a commanding presence in the league, but on the international stage, he's unproven. He doesn't provide you with that true confidence that he can protect the goal and lead our defense. But I like the fact that he is playing and providing that leadership with New York City. So I would bring him into September and give him at least a half to play. And if not a half, at least bring him in around the team for training and chemistry purposes. Gabriel Solnino was somebody at the beginning of the MLS season that I said was someone I thought would sneak onto the World Cup roster as the third goalkeeper in Asha. And while his form has dipped in recent months, he is still only 18 years old. And he's playing for a pretty terrible Chicago Fire squad, so he isn't getting much help defensively. He is also unproven internationally, but he did commit to the U.S. squad over Poland and shows a lot of promise. I don't necessarily think promise is deserving of a roster shot, but I do think having a youngster who could be our goalkeeper of the future, getting experience of a World Cup is something to seriously consider. The odds of a third string goalie playing is less than 1%. So it's more about being there for the team in training, helping out and getting the experience. So I would definitely bring him into the September camp for the opportunity to compete for a spot. There is actually one other name that made news over the past week, and that is a player from the Israeli league playing for Maccabi Haifa goalkeeper, Josh Cohen. Now, Cohen is not a household name and has never been in the U.S. youth or senior national team programs. He played collegiately for UC San Diego before turning pro back in 2015, where he played for multiple USL sides before becoming the USL goalkeeper of the year with Sacramento Republic back in 2018. In 2019, he transferred to the Israeli club and led them to their first league championship for the 2021 season. He is now competing in the UEFA Champions League after they qualified for the final round and will get to face off against Benfica, Paris Saint-Germain, and Juventus. Talk about a wild ride. Now, I have never seen Cohen play, nor do I think he can be a serious candidate to be called into September camp, but someone I had to point out, given he is an American leading a club into the Champions League this year. Now, onto the defenders, where there have been a couple of individuals who have continued to make progress and step up, putting their names firmly into the conversation for call-ups. I have five guys to highlight in this group, and the first one is the only one for Major League Soccer. Matt Miazga has been one of the best defenders in MLS since his arrival in Cincinnati last month. He also scored his second goal of the season this past weekend in helping Cincy to a 2-2 draw with Columbus. Miazga, as I have mentioned before, has had a tumultuous time finding a steady club situation, having been a Chelsea player but being loaned out year after year after year. He went from a national team starter to off the radar and not even being involved in the team at times. Despite his recent form, I think his situation falls into the category of too little, too late, which is really a bit of a shame because Miazga has always been a player that represents the U.S. badge with passion. He's still just 27 years old, and he has had experience in England, Spain, France, Netherlands, and Belgium, and now back in the States again. For now, though, Miazga is on the outside looking in. The next defender is somebody who has really propelled himself into the national team conversation, and he just can't be ignored any longer, and that's James Sands. 
Sands has gone from a bit part sub player to a must start leader in the defense for Rangers in the Scottish Premiership. I've labeled Sands as a fringe bubble player recently, and in fact, didn't have him included in my September camp, despite his versatility that he can bring to the squad as a center back or as a defensive midfielder. But that's all changed now. He has to be included in the camp. He has earned the right to be involved. Rangers is heading to the Champions League as well, and Sands was an enormous reason for it during their final qualifying match last week. Sands has gone from the outside looking in to somebody who might just fight for a starting center bat spot for this team. Moving to the Bundesliga, we have someone who is coming off a brilliant performance against Bayern Munich and helping his Borussia Mönchengladbach team draw 1-1 with the champions of Germany. Joe Scaley is having a terrific start to the season and has solidified his starting status as their first choice right back. Scaley hasn't had that many opportunities in the U.S. kit but he is a popular choice to make the roster as a backup right or left back. However, there are a lot of folks that don't rate Scaly and tend to think he is more of a bubble type of player, which I just don't understand. Their argument is that he doesn't fit Greg's style, preferred outside back. He And he didn't have the best showing in his limited minutes with the national team in the summer. I think Scaly is someone who has to be on our roster and someone who I expect to make our World Cup squad. My thoughts haven't changed and they are still firm today with him. Heading to Belgium next, where Mark McKenzie has taken over a starting role for Genk and is looking much more confident in his play, and he seems to be in form at the moment. McKenzie was someone who was involved in World Cup qualifying, was a starter for the U.S. in the CONCACAF Nations League final win against Mexico, but ever since the beginning of 2022, he hasn't featured for the U.S. at all. He was almost cast aside as an afterthought, but now that he is thriving again, He brings some experience to the national team, despite being only 23 years old. Greg Berhalter is heading to Scotland this week to watch Sands and Cameron Carter-Vickers face off, and those two names might be ahead of McKenzie on the current depth chart. I don't know if there is enough room for McKenzie in September, but he is a name to be on the lookout for if he keeps progressing this season. And last among the defenders, but certainly not least, is Tim Ream. Reem has become the captain of Fulham in the Premier League and has helped them start the season off on a positive note. He plays alongside fellow U.S. national teamer Anthony Robinson and has a lot of familiarity with Greg and his staff. And while Reem is riding the highest of highs right now in his career, he has been another player on the outside looking in for quite some time. He has made 46 appearances for the national team and even scored a goal back in 2016 too. But he has never been a serious contender for this current group. Could that change given he is leading a Premier League club from the center of defense where we have question marks at? The closer we get to September camp, the more I feel Greg almost has to bring in Ream. If anything, it gives us a steady locker room presence, leadership, and someone who knows what it takes to win at the highest level. Do I think he fits this team and the tactics that Greg wants to implement? And do I think I would trust Ream starting at the World Cup? I won't go that far in declaring yes or no there, but he deserves at least a chance in September. Now, looking at some midfield individuals that need to be discussed, I have five names to discuss that have put themselves on the national team radar again. Each have featured for the U.S. previously as a senior or youth level, and they are all trying to claw their way back onto the roster for the World Cup. 
Up first is a guy who was supposed to be with the U.S. squad this past summer, but had an injury push him out at the last minute, and that's Jordy Mihaljevic. Jordy has been in the news recently as he just completed a transfer from FC Montreal in MLS to AZ Alkmaar in the Netherlands. He will remain with Montreal for the remainder of the MLS season before moving to AZ in January. Jordy has reignited his career since moving from the Chicago Fire to Montreal back in 2021, and he is in the best form of his career. He is someone who made his first international appearance for the U.S. back in 2019 and scored with one of his first touches. He also featured for the U.S. during the 2019 Gold Cup as well. He brings a lot of creativity and a strong work ethic to his teams. He is only 23 years old, and I think his move to AZ is only going to help further his career. In saying that, I think Jordy is another that falls into the too little, too late category, and I don't see him being called into September camp, given our other midfield and attacking options. Sticking to MLS players, another midfield winger option who has always been in the national team conversation and is someone that fans cringe about every time they see his name called in, and that's Paul Areola. At 27 years old, he has been a regular member of the national team since 2016, featuring 47 times and adding 10 goals, including a goal in our final World Cup qualifying victory over Panama back in March. He also scored once during the 2018 World Cup qualification cycle. My point is, as much as people cringe seeing him called up time and time again, he fits into what Greg wants to do, and he is a team player. He works extremely hard. He can run for days, and he usually finds himself in the right place at the right time in that attacking third. However, I still believe he's a big liability for the U.S. defensively and from an international perspective. You might hear that and say, well, Will, you just said he has featured 47 times for the U.S. How is that a liability from an international perspective? He hasn't had much exposure internationally outside of CONCACAF. I do not think he would be able to compete against bigger countries like England and Wales compared to how he performs against Panama and El Salvador. Looking at our current player pool and our winger options, I don't see any way for Greg to rationalize bringing Areola in and leaving someone else out. Up next is a guy who is with the Barcelona's youth system for many years before leaving last season for Marseille and France in search of first team playing time. However, Three weeks ago, he was loaned out to Olympiacos in Greece and seems to be settling in well. Conrad de la Fuente has been one of the most exciting prospects in the U.S. youth setup for many years. Now at age 21, he is looking to climb back into the U.S. radar with his loan move. And he's made three appearances for the senior team, but given his lack of consistent playing time over the past year or so, he's fallen down that pecking order. I think it's a foregone conclusion that Conrad is just too far away from getting into the squad, and he will miss out on September camp and ultimately the World Cup roster as well. And finally, a name I am not sure I've ever mentioned is Johnny Cardoso, who plays in the Brazilian Serie A. Born in New Jersey, Johnny moved to Brazil at three months old. He has spent his entire career there, and at age 20 years old, he's already featured for the U.S. senior team three times and was part of the 2021 Gold Cup roster. He hasn't been a part of the squad since, and despite his success in Brazil, he seems to be an afterthought in Greg's team selections. In my opinion, he would be a great option behind Tyler Adams in the defensive midfield position. He is strong on the ball, puts himself into great defensive positions, and 
breaks apart the opposing team's attack very well. Unfortunately for Johnny, it seems that Greg's familiarity with Kellen Acosta and the trust he has with him makes it unlikely that he will earn a call-up before the World Cup. But in my opinion, I would absolutely give Johnny an opportunity in September over Acosta. The influence in Brazilian soccer isn't just too much to overlook, and Johnny would give the U.S. a completely different player that we have ever had in our setup. In fact, prior to me writing this episode out, Johnny played on Monday afternoon and scored two goals in a 4-0 win for Internacional, which was right on cue for this discussion. So, hopefully, he has given notice to Greg and gets his chance, however unlikely it may be. The final midfielder in this group is someone who won't be a familiar name to everyone, but probably should become one soon. Taylor Booth, who is playing in the Dutch top flight with UC FC Utrecht after leaving Bayern Munich as a free agent at the end of last season, just 21 years old. Booth has looked very comfortable with the ball on his feet and is getting steady playing time after four matches. He was teammates with Malik Tillman and both needed moves away from Bayern for consistent playing time. And Booth seems like he might have found the right move to the right league. He has never featured for the U.S. senior team, but he was called up for a friendly back in December. So he has been on Greg's radar for, for some time. I doubt it's a name we see for September, but remember Taylor Booth's name for the future. And now onto my final group, and that's the strikers, which continues to be the hottest topics for roster selections. And for once, we have just about every single potential prospect scoring goals and performing at a high level. So going right into it, the name last week was Josh Sargent. And once again, he gets the start and scores the game winning goal on the weekend. I know I said last week not to anoint him the starting striker for the U.S. or the favorite to lead our attack since he's been off the radar for a while, but it's hard to to argue against having him in September camp to see how he integrates back into the squad. I've been able to see his recent play, and I can't find any reason why he shouldn't be a favorite to be called in. He is performing exactly how we thought he would when he rose into the professional ranks, and his pressing style, his hold-up play, and knack for scoring goals is too good of a fit. It's funny how scoring a couple of goals and playing consistently can build somebody's confidence, but Sargent is playing like someone who believes in themselves again, and that's great news for the U.S. Sargent will be there in September. Turning to Turkey, once again, we have Haji Wright scoring for fun. He had another two goals on the weekend and just keeps building his resume in the Turkish Super League. But I keep asking these questions. Does Haji fit the way Greg wants his team to play, and can he translate his club form into the national team? I want to believe he does. I want to believe he can. I want to believe he can be a true number nine for the U.S. national team. I think his familiarity with Christian Pulisic and Weston McKinney and others from the U.S. youth national teams helps him out. But I still have the negative reviews that Grev gave about Haji after the summer camp. And I can't shake that out of my mind. It was very direct, very pointed, and it didn't feel like a manager who would be calling a player back into his next camp. So unfortunately, I don't think Haji, despite his form, is going to be included in September. Another player who is similar to Haji in style and in form right now is Jordan Pifak. He continues to excel in the early Bundesliga season, adding another two assists in Union Berlin's 6-1 victory on the weekend. He is playing full of confidence and hasn't had the early struggles that some players have when switching leagues. 
I predicted a breakout season for Peefock, and he is proving me right with each performance. Regardless of style of play or tactics, you still need a true number nine. Target strikers in your squad. And Peefock should be our option in that role right now. He absolutely deserves to be called into September camp. And while I know he hasn't been able to find the same success in his brief U.S. appearances, he is taking his game to the next level and should be able to showcase that soon. For me, if you are picking today, PFOC is in the squad without a doubt. Speaking of Germany and strikers, I mentioned his name last week, and it's Ricardo Pepe. He did get a start for Augsburg on the weekend, but was subbed off after 54 minutes. He just looks like someone who is hurting for confidence and seems like he is struggling to adjust to the Bundesliga. He still does a lot of things to like, but as a striker, your job is to score goals, to create goals. And if you aren't doing that, you aren't going to play. Pepe still has a ton of talent. He still has a lot to offer. If he were included in Greg's plans despite being out of form, I wouldn't be that upset with the decision. I would trust that Greg believes he can contribute in some way within the U.S. squad. But I also believe he has played himself out of the September camp and completely out of the World Cup roster selection right now. And finally, our MLS striker who has yet to make a national team appearance, Brandon Vasquez. He's a very hot name right now, and he added his 16th goal over the weekend for Cincinnati. Do I think he is deserving of a call-up for the national team? Sure. Do I think September is the time for him to be called in? No. I don't think it makes sense to include him into the final camp just because he is scoring goals in the MLS. And that is not a knock on his abilities. But if you go and watch him, the goals he scores are your true poacher type of striker goal. He reminds me a bit of a Brian Ching from many years ago. He was going to score goals in MLS but very few and far between in the national team against bigger international competition. Brian Ching was a great striker. He scored over 120 goals in MLS. He scored 11 times for the U.S. in 45 appearances too. But the best team he ever scored against was Jamaica, followed by Honduras or Trinidad and Tobago or even El Salvador. Not exactly massive competition there. Now, I'm getting away from my point here with Vasquez, but he just doesn't possess enough traits for me to include him in our current plans and setup, and I wouldn't call him in at this point. I suspect we won't have too many surprises or new faces for September. These are the final preparations before the biggest tournament in the entire world, and you can't just bring in a bunch of new options for the sake of it. There has to be some type of strategic or methodical approach to the formation of this final roster. I believe Greg will name the September camp sometime during the week of September 12th to 16th with the camp beginning on the 19th after the weekend club matches. The team will then gather first in Germany before they play their first friendly on the 23rd against Japan. With that being said, I want to transition into what is next for Soccer Pines and what you can expect as a listener. With September about to start, things are just going to keep picking up more and more and the same is true for me here. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I would be traveling a lot this summer and my final adventure begins later this week as I will be heading to Europe for a couple of weeks, which is why I have a Peroni in my pint glass today and not a solid craft beer from a local brewer. I figured I had to give an ode to Europe since I am heading there. Why am I heading to Europe, you may ask? Well, Greg began listening to my episodes and gave me a call and asked me to help scout out potential players for the September camp and I just couldn't say no. It's an amazing opportunity to get to be a part of the selection process 
and I am thankful to U.S. Soccer for allowing me to help lead the scouting efforts ahead of the World Cup. It's a big task, but one that I am more than prepared for and super excited about. I will get to explore talent in Italy, France, and Switzerland before I head back to the States, and while it may be an extremely busy trip, I can't wait for the uh, t- to begin the journey. In saying this, Soccer Pines will be taking a brief hiatus with producing episodes until I return back, which means, most likely, I won't be able to release any news about roster selections or updates in certain player situations for about three weeks. I will still do my best to provide updates via Twitter and Instagram, but I can't commit to a new episode until the September camp officially starts. I appreciate the weekly support I get, but just know this is a temporary break and I will be back better than ever when I return. On to the final thoughts of the week, and first up is the big news from Tuesday morning. John Brooks has officially joined Mallorca in the Spanish La Liga to resume his career, and while this may not signal a return to the national team, it certainly is positive for someone we weren't sure was going to continue playing or not. For Brooks's sake, I hope he jumps into the starting lineup, plays well, and forces a tough decision in November in order to be included for the World Cup squad. But as I mentioned many times recently, he is not going to be part of Greg Berhalter's plans. Another U.S. prospect, Alex Mighton, has been loaned out from Premier League club Nottingham Forest to Sheffield Wednesday in the English Championship. And it should be a solid move for the youngster to earn consistent playing time. Other U.S. men's players seem destined to stay where they are for the time being, which is unfortunate for someone like Christian Pulisic at Chelsea. Doesn't look like he's going to get a move away like he requested, and now he seems stuck and resigned to being a bench player. Another in Serginho Des also seems set to stay with Barcelona. However, there could be a move to Manchester United if things can get sorted out before the transfer deadline on Thursday afternoon, which at this at the time of this recording has not yet come. Lots of midweek action on Tuesday with Anthony Robinson and Tim Ream starting for Fulham in their match against Brighton and working together to beat the Seagulls 2-1. Tyler Adams and Brennan Aronson started yet again for Leeds against Everton, with Aronson picking up a key assist to level things up in their 1-1 draw. Chris Richards started on the bench for Crystal Palace against Brentford and never got off of it. Christian Pulisic started on the bench for Chelsea against Southampton and was subbed on with about 25 minutes left in their 2-1 loss. In the English Championship, Josh Sargent got another start for Norwich City against Austin Trusty, who started for Birmingham City, as Norwich continued their winning ways 2-1, as did Ethan Horvath in goal for Luttontown in a 2-1 win as well. And finally, for my final thought this week, if you truly were paying attention to the last segment about Greg listening to Soccer Pines and calling on me to scout in Europe and believe me, I really appreciate that. I wish it were true, but unfortunately, it's not. I will be heading to Europe, and I hope to be able to watch matches while I'm there, but it's more about family vacation and my sister-in-law getting married than anything else. I will still be taking a brief hiatus and will resume episodes when I return back to the States, but I hope one day I will be able to declare that Greg and his staff hold me in high regard because that would mean Soccer Pints has made it. So, I will continue to dream. Well, that's it for the 22nd episode of Soccer Pints. I really appreciate you listening and continuing to support the show. More to come when I return from Europe, but we have some exciting weeks ahead of us before this final World Cup prep camp begins. Until next time, cheers, my friends.